You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Today I want to look at Psalm 118. It's one of those interesting psalms that actually has two verses in it that Jesus quotes about himself. Uh, one is verse 22, and I'm just going to talk about these real briefly. This, these aren't the point of what I want to get into today for our discussion and meditation and prayer, but I think they're significant in leading into this, and that is where Jesus, in verse 22, he quotes uh, this referring to himself when the religious leaders of his day were rejecting him, rejecting his teaching, rejecting his, his authority. He, he quotes Psalm 118.22 when he says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And that's also, again, picked up in uh, epistles in the New Testament as referring to Jesus. And then also uh, verse 26, again, Jesus using this verse to refer to himself, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus talks about that in Matthew 23. And and you also may remember that verse being quoted by the people who are shouting uh, praises to Jesus as he's entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And they also, uh, on, on Palm Sunday, say another verse out of Psalm 118 that you've heard before lots of times. It's verse 25, save us, we pray, O Lord. Now, you might be thinking, no, no, wait a minute. I mean, that phrase is said a lot, but I don't know that I, if it sounds necessarily familiar that I hear it all the time. Well, you've heard it. The Hebrew for that phrase, save us, we pray, uh, is hoshiana. And so that's obviously transliterated in the Greek and in the English as Hosanna, which is what the crowd was shouting as Jesus. They were actually shouting Hosanna uh, as Jesus was entering into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Save us, we pray, O Lord, which is what they were saying to Jesus. It's interesting because the reason why they were saying that, those two verses, is because this is a psalm that was used as part of the liturgy for Passover, and Palm Sunday was the, the first day of Passover, but the fact that Jesus quoted these two verses about himself out of Psalm 118 shows us that how immersed Jesus was in the Psalms. Remember that Jesus said in Mark 12, 36, that the Psalms were, at least the one he's quoting, uh, were written by the Holy Spirit. And that was Jesus's view of the Psalms. He immersed himself in the Psalms. He was able to quote them by memory, and Jesus quotes the Psalms more than any other book in the Old Testament. And so, I, I don't know, I just, if you really stop and think about it, if you just sort of just, I'm actually, when you hold the Psalms in your hand, when you open your Bible and you get the Old Testament book called Psalms, you're holding in your hand an exact copy translated from Hebrew into English. Jesus read it in the original Hebrew, but you're still holding in your hands a copy of Jesus's prayer book, the prayer book that Jesus immersed himself in as he worshiped the Father. So I, again, just let's, let's think about it here. When God became human, the God that created this universe became human in the person of Jesus. And and this man named Jesus, he was fully human, and so he had to learn to worship God like any human does, but he was also fully God. And and we're not going to understand that 
but fully God and fully human. But when Jesus worshiped the Father, he used the Psalms. I mean, he used other things too, but he used the Psalms heavily. That's what we're holding in our hands when we're when we're looking at the Psalms. I want to have the same view of the Psalms that Jesus had. As I come to them, I want to understand that I'm coming into a book that's been authored by humans, but authored ultimately and mysteriously in ways we don't quite understand how it works, but according to Jesus, authored by the Holy Spirit. So if if Jesus really did rise from the dead and was really, therefore, God in in the flesh, God in, in human, in humanity, then when God became human, he, he, he is saying to us, the Psalms have a spiritual power to them. The Psalms have a Holy Spirit written and wrought power to bring us into a deeper connection with God. And if Jesus rose from the dead, that means that everything he taught is true. And, and this is a path for life of life for us. When we really learn how to use them in our own spiritual lives, which is why I, I want to spend some time in these podcast episodes to to get into some of these psalms and to learn how to meditate on them and learn how to think about them in maybe some of the same ways that Jesus thought about them and to to use them in the ways that the Holy Spirit intends for his people to use them to bring us into a spiritual, deep, mysterious connection with, with God. And, and, and this Psalm 118 is, is an unusual Psalm, not only because Jesus quotes it twice separately on two different occasions, three different occasions even, and is used in the, by the crowd as they're yelling uh, praises to Jesus as he's coming in on Palm Sunday, but it also has that similar theme we've been talking about, and that is that, that many, if not most, of the Psalms were written in the context of fear. They weren't written in the context of prosperity. They weren't written in the context and circumstantial uh, circumstances of everything's great, and by the way, I might as well remember God and my prosperity. They were written in the context of fear and really needing to turn to God as the only true resort of security. When you think about it, that it really is the, that really is the true condition of humanity that we've been kicked out of Eden. We're in a sense like Cain wandering. And there's a fear that goes with being out of Eden. There's a fear that's just part of the human condition. And, you know, we've been having times of prosperity for years for many, uh, not everybody. It hasn't been a shared prosperity, but for many, that's been a time of prosperity. But when you think about it, you almost wonder if that wasn't an illusion because the real circumstance is one of insecurity and need to trust in the Father, to trust in God as our only real true security. And this this psalm is written in the context of fear. We see that in verse 10, uh, talking about all nations surround me. Verse 11, they surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. Verse 12, they surrounded me like bees. This is the horizontal. We talked about that in the last podcast episode. This is the horizontal circumstance of this psalmist life, surrounded and, in, and endangered, surrounded like bees. And and so this psalm is written in the context of fear, and yet the psalmist reminds himself and reminds us 
that in the middle of our, in the midst of our horizontal fears and insecurities, the, the only way to truly find security and to be honest, the only way to live in reality is to see vertically, not just horizontally. Uh, to see, as he says in verse 6 of Psalm 118, the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord is on my side. Now, that, what he means by that is he is for me. Not that whatever I do, he's, he's on my side, but that he is, Yahweh is for me, not against me. He is for me. He is on my side. And I'm reading out of the ESV uh, because I like the way the ESV's worded. It keeps a lot of the, the poetry, the ambiguity of the poetry. The, Yahweh is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. The author of Hebrews picks up that verse and quotes it. But before he quotes it, he says, So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can anything do to me? Well, plenty. It can kill us. And ultimately, the, the, the author of this psalm died of something. So it's not just talking about physically being resilient forever. It's talking about what can anything do to me that Yahweh, the I am, hasn't purposed in some way for my help, hasn't purposed in some way for my good. He's on my side. He's for me. So I will not fear. I don't have to fear what anything can do to me because the I am is my helper. The I am is on my side. So we get to the point that I want to get to, the main point I want us to meditate on. Uh, actually, there's, there's two. There's this and then the point that comes from it. And that is the very first verse, and it's actually the very last verse as well. It's the, the, the first and the last verse say the exact same things, which shows us that this is the point of the psalm, really. And it is this, verse 1, O oh, give thanks to Yahweh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the I am. For he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Those words for there mean give thanks to the Lord because he is good. Give thanks to the Lord because his steadfast love endures forever. Even if we should die of something, and we all will, even if we should suffer at the hands of something that intends to do us harm, and, and, and at times we all will, God's story for us is forever. His love, his steadfast love endures forever. He is good forever. His goodness is measured on the forever scale, not just the moment-by-moment moment scale, although it is in moment-by-moment. Moment. It's measured fully on the forever scale. His steadfast love for us endures forever. And, and, and this is foundational to, you can't really live the Christian life, you can't thrive in the Christian life without believing that God is good in his will and that he loves you personally. He loves me personally, that his steadfast love for you endures forever. The degree that you're wishy-washy on those two things, that God's will for you is good and it's according to his steadfast love for you, is the degree that you're not going to really see vertically. You're not going to see reality. You're going to be stuck like a bumper pool table, always dodging the horizontal circumstances. 
and fear and worry and anxiety. So this is the promise, the main promise of Psalm 118. Yahweh is good in all of his will for you, and his steadfast love endures forever. So we come then to this this verse uh, in, in verse 24 that I, I say literally every day, every day. I, I go through a little litany of things that I say to myself, and I pray to God, and a lot of those things that are one and the same. Bless the Lord, O my soul, is Psalm 103. A lot of our praise is also speaking to our own soul. So bless the Lord, O my soul, Psalm 103, verse 1. When I say prayers to God and, and meditate on the Psalms to God, I'm also speaking to my own soul, always. That's part of thinking vertically in the horizontal and, and, and verse 24 says, and you've heard it before, uh, probably, uh, it says, this is the day the Lord has made. This is the day the I am has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So if we, if we remember the foundational promise of verse, the very first verse and the very last verse, so give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. What that means is this is the day. And this, in the author's mind, when he writes, this is the day, he's talking about the day he's writing this psalm. So whatever day it is for us that we're reading the psalm, this is the day Yahweh has made. This is the day the I am has made. The one who is the source of all existence, the I am who is the giver of all life, the I am who is infinitely God in the past, infinitely God in the future, and infinitely God in our presence, in our present. The I am is always in the present tense, in our present tense, infinitely so, 100% focused on us without being any less focused anywhere else. 100% with us, present with us, without being any less present anywhere else because he's infinite. Nothing gets drained, nothing gets used up. And so we have this promise that today is the day the I am has made. It's, he's ordained it. He's doing it in our story that is a forever story. His love endures forever. So therefore, let it, because he is good and because his steadfast love endures forever, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let me guide us. Let me guide you in a time of prayer, as I pray that you would make my prayer uh, as much your prayer as you, as you can make and want to make as we meditate and pray through this psalm. Yahweh, the I Am, our God, the one who is infinitely forever God in the past, infinitely forever God in the future, and infinitely God right now in our present. The I am. You are present with me right now, 100%. You are in the present tense and my present tense, fully, infinitely. And this is the day, because this is the day that you have made. It may be a day of suffering, it may be a day of hardship, one day it will be a day of death. But because this is the day that the I am has made, 
that you have made and you are for me and you are my helper, that this is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. Whatever it holds, I want to rejoice and be glad in it. I want to have joy and, and, and I want to have appreciation. I want to have love and appreciation because of the first and the last verse. I want to give thanks. I want to have a sense of gratitude. I want to have a sense of appreciation to the Lord for, for you are good. I can't always see it. I don't always understand how this path of suffering, this path of hardship, eventually this day of death will be good. But I'm trusting in you. Because Jesus trusted in you, and because Jesus was you, is you, and he rose from the dead. And so I believe him. I believe his view of the Psalms being true, written by the Holy Spirit. And this Psalm that he obviously meditated on and quoted twice on separate occasions is a Psalm that I turn to now for my source of truth to see you and to see all of my horizontal circumstances vertically in a reality of you being present fully 100% you are good and I give thanks to you and I have joy and I rejoice and I'm glad in this day because your steadfast love endures forever and your steadfast love is infinite for me today everything that happens this is the day that you've made and you are good and your steadfast love endures, endures forever. So verse 28, the second to last verse of this psalm, says, you are my God. I always love that phrase in the scriptures because it means so much for me. You are my God. I turn to you first and foremost. I turn to you most as my security. You are my God. I turn to you as my source of life. I turn to you as my source of comfort. I turn to you as my source for peace. You are my God. You are my King. You are my Lord. I want to submit to you. I submit to you. You are God, and you made me for your will. I exist for you. I exist by you. I exist through you. And I will, the psalm says, you are my God, verse 28, you are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. I rejoice that you are my God. I rejoice that you are always good to me. I rejoice that your steadfast love for me endures forever, and it endures now in the present tense. And so I give you thanks. I have appreciation and gratitude toward you. You are my God, and I will extol you. I praise you for your steadfast love and for your goodness, and that this is the day that you have made, and I will rejoice with joy and gladness and love and gratitude and appreciation that this is the day that you have made, and I walk in it vertically, not just horizontally. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating 
so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.